Hello, and welcome to the Client Experience Revolution. I'm your host, Raya Gonzalez, and I am joined today with Michelle Cooper of Alchemy Accounting and Bookkeeping. Welcome. Thank you so much, Raya. I am so excited to talk to you today. We are going to dive into some juicy financial stuff. And you may not think that finances are juicy. I do. And that's what this is really about is what's important to me. So, (laughs) (laughs) right. But in all seriousness, Michelle is a powerhouse entrepreneur. She's the CEO of Alchemy and Accounting and Bookkeeping. She's the author of several books, one of which I literally just ordered on Amazon right before we started recording. Um, So, check out Confessions of a Money Rockstar your money date journal. And she also co-authored the collaborative book, Women Rising. Michelle, tell us about a little bit more about your business, how you got here, what's your story and how you serve people. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, Well, I think that I've always been a little bit of a rebel. And so that ends up being my client, right? My ideal client. Uh, I didn't kind of follow the traditional route um, after university, and I went into strategic growth for a lot of really large companies like Citibank, PricewaterhouseCoopers, um, large restaurant chains like TGI Fridays. Um, And that gave me some really great understanding of review and analysis uh, of of like big business, right? then, of course, uh, you know, I spent some time off the grid, traveling, experiencing life, had kids, kind of came back. Uh, I live in the West Coast of Canada now and uh, saw that I had friends who had businesses that weren't making any money and they could not understand what was going on. They had lots of people coming in their businesses and they just never had enough money in the bank for all of the bills, let alone to pay themselves. And what I realized is that that's a really common experience. And it actually was an experience that had happened in my own family and I didn't even realize. And so I, I really got clear on who I wanted to help. Like I wanted these people to feel successful. And so I started helping them. Now, over the course of, you know, that kind of evolution, I started my own business. Originally, I had a little kind of boutique. I played roller derby. I offered really fun and funky things. That became like my biggest nightmare. Like my my biggest passion became my biggest nightmare. Um, I ended up closing the store, but it was such a gift because it gave me a real true to life understanding about what my clients go through every day. So true. And I think that this is the part that people don't talk about. And that is in startup and people who are in startup, you need to understand that it's not just that you can, that the statistically speaking, that the three to five years for success rate or whatever, it's that you often can't pay yourself, you know, and if you don't have it set up right, Um, And even when you do have it set up right in the beginning, there are so many things going out that you can't pay yourself. So you have to be set up really strategically to start a business. And 
ideally have a nest egg, you know, where you can pull from to take care of your basic expenses, because what happens is you're constantly behind at that point. And I'm really grateful that I have a partner because, um, and even with having a partner, it was a shit show because I didn't take an income for a full 18 months. I took no income. So we went from two full-time robust incomes. We don't make millions, but we were both, you know, in our late thirties or early forties. And so we'd put in our time and then to one income, but really one income draining away from the other income because I had no, um, I had, well, first of all, no fucking clue what I was doing. Second of all, I, um, I didn't have that little nest egg. And so what I thank you so much for bringing that up because there is this like, um, glamorous, um, opinion of entrepreneurship when the reality of what you're doing when you're opening a business. And I'm not saying don't open a business. Like if you are an innovator, if you have an idea, if you are solving a problem and you're the only person with the answer to that problem, by God, answer that problem, like open that business, but be smart, like engage the people who know and have walked in front of you and have made the mistakes for you. And so that you can do it with a bang, you know? So totally. thank you for bringing that up. Totally. Like my, that little boutique, I basically opened on my credit cards and, and that's, that's awesome. Right. That I had the credit available, but I was drowning um, in debt. And, you know, I can remember, um, days where we'd have no sales, like zero, like nothing. And I'm like, what, how do I get people in here? And then, you know, we had some kind of like big box stores open up in our town and people were all excited, you know, like Target and Winners and all this kind of stuff. And they're going off there to buy their, you know, whatever it was. And, and how do you compete with that? Right. There was so many things going on and, before I knew it, it, it took a toll on my personal life. You know, I was a mom of three young kids, took a toll on my marriage. Um, I was so stressed about cash flow that I ended up just saying, and then of course it was a retail store. So I had shoplifters, right? Yeah. So now people are trying to steal from you. And then um, it was just one incident, which, which just kind of took me over the edge where um, a girl was trying to steal like something stupid, like a candle or something. And I was like, look, I know you got that in your pocket. Just put it back. Like, I just, I'm not interested in having this happen. And she tried to stab me with a hypodermic needle. Oh my God. Yeah. And I was like, I closed the door. I actually pushed her out. Like I played roller derby. I'm not, it's a pretty tough chick, right? But I pushed her out the door. I closed the door. I locked it and I never opened the store again. I was like, that's it. I'm done. Yeah. Like, I'm just not willing to take that chance. Right now I had to crawl out of a huge hole I had built huge, huge. Like I'd say in total, probably $50,000 in debt and credit card debt, which was accruing incredible amounts of interest. So I had to learn how to negotiate debt 
mm. uh, which I hadn't done before because I had been hiding from debt in previous instances. And, and then I had to kind of like get off, like get to work. Like what can you do yeah. to make some money right now? Which is where I ended up helping friends understand their numbers. So it's kind of weird that I had created this giant mess on one hand and then I was helping other people and they were getting great results, right? So I just like kind of grinded it out, worked all the hours I could. And I I helped a friend who had a cleaning business and I did house cleaning and, and like I was doing all these things, right? To get this debt paid off and try to like, fix my family, my marriage in this big mess I had made. And, and then I realized, oh, actually, this is such a gift to me because I understand what so many people go through. Yes. And the real cost wasn't the credit card debt or the interest. The real cost was on my family and my marriage and my health. Yes. That was the huge cost. Yeah. And, and it, I don't know, like I, it's recovering now, but it took a lot. Right. Yeah. And so I was able to help these, you know, friends and, and, and people, you know, they would refer their friends and network. And all of a sudden I had, you know, at the ba- most basic level, they needed bookkeeping. Yeah. Right. They needed accurate information for me to help Which, them get the analysis. Pin right there. Everyone <laughs> who's listening Yes, you need a bookkeeper. You do. You cannot do this shit on your own. Right. You will pay now or you will pay later. Like <laughs> you will pay now in having a bookkeeper or you will pay later in a CPA cleaning up your crap. So here's the difference. The difference is you pay now and you pay a bookkeeper and your CPA costs you less because they have clean books, but you have valid information to make your business decisions throughout the, throughout the year, or you have no fucking clue what's happening in your business and you have a big ass mess to pass off to your CPA. And then you pay out the rear end to your CPA. So bookkeeping is a necessity. Amen, sister. Like the amount of times I say to people, Bookkeeping is the cheapest thing you can get with the highest ROI for you possible. Like there is no reason to even have this conversation. Just get a phenomenal bookkeeper. And keep interviewing people, like find out who works for you. You know what I'm saying? Like for me personally, I had an amazing, like I actually had an awesome referral right off the bat, like somebody that they had been referring I personally was, and I, and this is not for everyone, um, but I trained somebody from the Philippines with my bookkeeper. And then I had them working for me for a while and it didn't end up working out. And then I decided I was going to give it one more try. And I have a bookkeeper now who's in the Philippines. However, her full-time job is working for a company, a, a large company in California. And she has a small bookkeeping client in Florida. So she's extremely familiar with the US. And here's the things that benefit you from having a bookkeeper. She sends me a little message on Slack and she says, hey, Raya, I noticed that you're keeping track of all your receipts, but you're not itemizing your sales tax. Do you want me to take care of that for you? And I'm like, 
stop it with your sexy words that you're saying. Right? <laughs> what? No one has ever asked me that before. Like, yes, please. That's amazing. Right? You know, but like, if you don't know what you don't know, you know, and so, and I have some weird things too, where I was like, I, and I've had like a meeting with my CPA because this is actually a new thing for my CPA too. Um, but my bookkeeper was able to figure it out. Um, I'm a notary. And so in the U S you have a, this special, um, it's not a deduction, but it's a deduction off your self-employment tax where every time you do your notary stamp, you can take the amount that your state allows you to charge for that, but only off your self-employment tax. So I'm like, how the heck do we do this in QuickBooks? You know, whatever. She's like, oh, oh, it's fine. I got this. You know, it's totally fine. And I'm like, okay. You know, like, again, like you with your sexy words, like telling me that you could take care of my finances. Right. It's just that you, but again, like, that's not for everybody to hire out to the like an outsourcing. I actually really highly recommend that you do somebody locally, that you do somebody that understands your state's laws and uh, your state's, um, you know, regulations and the best ways for you to maximize your finances. And I know like you're in British Columbia, but you work with people all over the United States. You're very familiar with what their needs are going to be, um, you know, but people should um, feel that level like like I do with my bookkeeper. Like you should feel like they're sharing information that is like, she might as well have said like that yellow top on you is clutch. Like everything right. that you, everything that's on your face, yes. You know what I mean? Right. But instead she talked about receipts and sales tax. Like, it, yeah. that's how you should feel about your bookkeeper is that you have this relationship where they're, they're giving, they're giving you info. They're giving you a power back in your, in your business. And it's Absolutely. not boring numbers on a line in a thing. It's information that helps you make informed decisions about how you're going to move forward, how you're going to succeed and yeah, I like, but if you don't feel that with the person, it's just like the orthodontist situation, like get another opinion and get another opinion and get another opinion and be like, you know what? That first one, that's who I resonated with the most. Okay. Go back to that first one. Yeah. Like we're not, we're not an ideal fit for everybody, right? Like yeah. alchemy supports mission driven entrepreneurs and specializes really in people who have a mess to clean up and then supporting them on an ongoing basis. Right. But we're, we're very um, casual kind of straight talking, like get your shit together. Um, we're, we're here to support you, but we're not willing to put up with like crap. Right. So you got to mm -hmm. participate in the process and uh, like, this is important. Like you need to pay attention, right? And and also we don't use we don't use all those complicated words that accountants use to justify high fees. Yes. <laughs> I so I um true story, I won't name names because it's because they're in Washington or whatever, but I've used um the same CPA firm for 15 years. 
And I told you this, they had, I did not work directly with the CPA. I worked with the tax preparer. She had worked for him for 20 years and she was a, just a personality. Like she, she was somebody that I wouldn't have, you know, like, I don't know if we would have known each other or been friends outside of this setting, but we just like, you can't go to the same person for 15 years and sit down and look at all the stuff and all the things that happened over 15 years. And we would bring our little kids and we would like do our whole thing. And then this whole situation happened and somehow she doesn't work there anymore. And I'm not sure like what the whole like story I didn't ask, but I was like, um, I'm not working with the CPA. I don't like him. Like I liked her. That's not for me. And so I asked for my, cause I got a new CPA who was a referral and I'm super happy and you know, all those kinds of things. But I, but she's like, you know, it'd be really, really helpful for me because we were late to do 2019 because of all the COVID stuff. She's like, I really need to see your 2018 and your 2017 because I have a home office. So she needed to see like the measurements, like how we claimed things before all that good stuff. And um, he charged me. $40 for each of those years. And they were not cheap. Like this business was not cheap to begin with, but he that's charged ridiculous. me to get access to my own records. Yeah. I might as ridiculous. well have just pulled tax transcripts from the IRS is what I should have just done. But I just, I didn't, I just was so flabbergasted and I needed it quickly. I just was like, okay, I'll just do it. And, well, and plus she probably needed the working papers, right? Which yes. is what he would have given, but they're your records. They actually don't belong to him. And in I some know. places it's illegal to charge that fee to access your own records. No. Do you hear that person that I'm not going to say your name? You suck. <laughs> <laughs> you suck. And I'm not with you because you let go of the person that needed to be there. But Okay, let's talk about COVID. Let's talk about this pandemic. Let's talk about, we have seen some of the weirdest, coolest, saddest things happen in business with finance due to the pandemic. So um, my the business mentor that I've been working with over the last year, her name is Kelly O'Neill. And she says, and this, I know, I know this is not specific to her. I've heard it elsewhere, but it says, you know what's important to somebody by looking in their calendar and looking in their pocketbook. Right. How do they spend their time? How do they spend their money? And you're getting half and, and actually probably a hint at most of the calendar too, because you're seeing like when and where and how, why and how they're spending their money, but you're getting a good glimpse at how people are spending money so let's talk about the pros and the cons of the pandemic. Like what's, what are the trends you're seeing with the people who are really succeeding and really their business is taking off with the pandemic. And let's talk about the people who are having a little bit more difficulty pivoting. Um, you know, they, um, you know, you know, the, this is just like really, really tanked. I mean, there's some obvious, obviously if you're a brick and mortar this has been devastating. If you're a brick and mortar that couldn't quickly pivot, like didn't have an online aspect of your business that couldn't pivot, that's like goes without saying. I'm talking about people who had the potential or who have the potential to succeed in the pandemic and like, and they're maybe not for some reason, or it's a, it's a lot slower of a process. What's the difference? Like what's, 
what are they doing in their finances um, that's different between between the two? So we have several brick and mortar clients, like hair salons is a big one that like took a hit. Hair salons and gyms took a, a pretty big hit, right? And many of them tried to pivot to like online or some kind of service or product sales just to kind of keep things going. Um, the ones that most um, kind of like survived, like that, that period where there was a, a complete shutdown, business can't open at all, really um, looked at their expenses and took action right away. So for, for example, for yeah. our hair salons or our like wellness clinics or gyms, it was like, okay, what can you pause or turn off right now to stop the bleed kind of thing, right? And it was great because unlike any other time in history that we've had kind of like a downturn, everybody was in the same position. Right. So people, companies were really willing to pause things. Right. Or, or, you know, um, like I remember having this conversation with one of our gym owners and he was like, I'm trying to like stop the delivery of like the wipes, like the hygienic wipe things that they use. And he's like, and they won't, they won't pause the delivery because it has, it's like a certain amount a month. I'm like, just refuse delivery. There's nobody there. The business is closed. They cannot invoice you for what you're not receiving. Right. And say to them, we're not open. So you can do what you want with that piece of information, but we're not open and we're not ordering supplies right now. For other businesses, it was looking at what, what are they um, like, what recurring subscriptions do they have that maybe they could turn off? It's a really good opportunity for a spending audit. I was just going to say that. And I think that this is more than, I like literally even last night because I had signed up for a free trial for um, a meditation app. It was, it was called, um, Oh, I forget. But anyways, a meditation app. And I wanted, I had put a little notation cause it was really expensive. So I put a note on my calendar, cancel this app. You know what I mean? Like I really loved it, but not like $99 a year. Love it. And so it brought me to the subscription page on my iPhone And I was like, I'm paying for that. Like there wasn't like a ton, but then I even was like, do I need Apple music? I have Spotify unlimited and Amazon music. Do I also need Apple music? Not really because I'm actually listening more on Spotify and Amazon. Like that's my, been my kind of go-to habit. And so it's, and then um, in software too, like um, I have been like looking at, um, some things like I'm I'm kind of an AppSumo junkie. I don't know if you're familiar with AppSumo, mm-hmm. but it's like the Groupon of softwares. Like, yeah. and some of the stuff on there is like in beta, so it's not quite ready, and that's why it's being offered at a lifetime a membership. But some of them, like um, Loom, is a is a tool that I use every day. Loom is a screen recording tool. They've now re- put a time limit of five minutes. And if you want more than five minutes, you have to upgrade to a subscription on a monthly basis. Well, AppSumo had for, I believe, $49, um, an app called BerryCast, which is the exact freaking thing with actually some pluses, you know what I mean, 
a couple minuses, meaning like their um, URL is a lot longer kind of thing. And they have a little bit more branding, but I, but I got it for $49 and I never pay again. And yeah. it's the same thing. So it's like you, it allows you to kind of say like, and we should be doing that in our business, like looking at the software. And I, and you know what I also did, which was surprising was, um, because we've had staffing changes and because we've made different changes in our expenses, I said, you know what? I want to go back to the project management software that we love and I want to pay for it. Mm-hmm. I want like, and, and the other thing too. So we use monday.com is yeah. our project management software is not, it is not cheap. Um, we were using free versions of other ones and, um, but I decided that that was worth it to me. And I also decided that we upgraded our Slack membership because that was worth it to me. But it was like, these were knowledge-based decisions because we were looking at the whole picture. Totally. what What are we spending? Not worth it, not worth it, not worth it. You know what? This one, we're saving money, but we're, we're giving up functionality. Like, mm-hmm. is that worth it? Yeah, that one, that one I think is actually worth it. Like, and it, it allowed me, whereas before I was being miserly and I was just like being, you know, like just kind of like, no, we got to go with the free option. We got to go with the free option where I was like, we use that every day. Like, yeah. why shouldn't we have what we really want if we're going to save money in these other aspects? And so when you say like really doing an audit, that's so important. Yeah, like a spending audit is something I do with clients right from the start um, when they become a client. It's like we're looking through all of the spending and seeing what it is. Because often, um, in fact, we can find their bookkeeping fee in in expenses that they don't use. So it's not actually costing them anymore to have bookkeeping because we can identify like what I call money leaks, where they're paying out for things that they don't use or don't value or they've forgotten about, right? And then I encourage clients to do that quarterly, like do a spending audit and look at what you're spending and classify it as like, I have to have this to do business. I like this and it's a convenience and it's worth it to me. And I don't use this. I don't even know what the fuck this is. Like get this off my books kind of thing. Absolutely. take action from there. Do you, so there's always these questions too about like, so I use QuickBooks because my bookkeeper would only use QuickBooks. I was using Wave Apps, which is actually a Canadian app, which I friggin' love. And when, from a business standpoint, because I do some consulting, if somebody's starting out and they're gonna try to do it on their own, I'm always like, just start with Wave because it's free. The user X is like really, really easy. But I know there's a lot of, bookkeepers who don't want to use wave like so and there's so many options right there's like there's zero there's fresh books there's this there's that and um like my only resistance to quickbooks is i get pissed every month when i pay the 21 dollars or whatever and i'm like why are you like to me that's like i i mean like i'll spend i spent freaking 57 dollars on a ring light to have it actually light my face right but $21 bothers me. (laughs) You know what I mean? Every month and that keeps my books right. But like, do you have an opinion or why are like bookkeepers and accountants so picky about 
Like what, um, you know, like if somebody is starting out, like, do you agree that they should, for me, QuickBooks felt massive. It is kind of like the sales force of like, yeah. So, so for me as somebody just starting out, like where you maybe don't have as many transactions or something like that, that just felt like so much, but like, so, um, what if somebody's in the first couple of years, what are your recommendations? What are the differences or like, you know, I mean, in terms of like, why, you know what I'm getting at? Yeah. Like, I'm just ranting totally. at this point, but yeah, there's a yeah. lot of so, options and it's hard to, it's hard to know. Yeah. QuickBooks is probably is the number one, in my opinion, um, full suite bookkeeping software, right? So I recommend it because it's very versatile, right? It's a cloud-based system. It has great functionality and it really can provide the level of detail that you need in your record keeping um, that is going to give you like, like percentages of revenue, right? You can, you can do things like measure profitability on projects or specific clients, right? And that, that level of information is really, really important. You know, that's interesting because I have started using some of those features this year because I've had some additional help in the bookkeeping department. So one of the things that is a downfall for me and I know is a big downfall for other people is receipts. So I am a space cadet, like in the most lovable way. Um, but I have a hard time keeping track. And I, in 2019, I did an okay job of scanning them, but then they were like kind of all over the place. And like, I have a drive called receipts 2019 in my Google drive, but it's like, you know, like there's no rhyme or reason. And so what I did for 2020 and what I'm continuing to do is I'm having whoever's helping me attach the receipt to the transaction. And then I do not think about that ever again. Like I delete that email. I get rid of that receipt. I don't think about it. It's attached to the transaction. If I get audited, booyah, like just check it out. You know what I mean? It's right there. Um, and so that's one of the things. And then also I, because I have an outsourced team. Um, so I don't have a traditional, I did have a W2 employee, which I used gusto gusto or whatever. And that was had an integration with QuickBooks, which is another kind of plug for QuickBooks. I guess they have a lot of integrations. They do. Um, And so it literally dumped the information in the right categories for me. I didn't have to figure out which part goes where, which part goes where it like literally dumped them in the right categories. And so it just made it easy for me that way. But I pay my employees by a program called TransferWise, which is like an alternative to like PayPal or any of those, because I pay the fees, it gets to them a lot faster. Um, And so when they show up in my QuickBooks, they just show up as TransferWise. Well, I wanna know how much I'm paying each person. And so I have had my person set up each employee, they're employees, but they're actually contractors, but they're not 1099 contractors. So you get like all this minutia. Um, And then I'm having them actually, categorize them by the person. So then I can say like, Pam, who's my ops manager, how much did I pay Pam this year? You know what I mean? Like, oh, okay, Jan, he's my podcast editor. How much did I pay John Marcel this year? 
And so there are these, there are these benefits to having a program that is a little bit more robust when you have the help where you can do that. But if you're trying to run a business and grind it out and you're not having the help, which is why Michelle and I are saying to everyone who is listening, bookkeeping is a necessity, not a luxury. It is Absolutely. the first thing that you put on your team, whether that be in-house, you know, like whether that be somebody um, that you get by referral, Michelle, outsource, whatever it might be. Although outsource, you need to talk to me because that is a very sticky situation. So that would be somebody you would need a VA matchmaker for. Um you know, because it's not, it's, it does have to be the exact right person. The ideal is that it would be somebody North America based, you know, that it would be like us Canada. So they have like a um, real good grasp on what is affecting you. But one, I didn't even realize that my bookkeeper would take care of my quarterly taxes for me. Like she paid them for me. She would go into my department of revenue account and get the information for me. She's like, okay, Ryan, your taxes are due. It's X number of dollars. I'm just going to go ahead and pay that for you. And I was like, what? Like, this is so exciting. (laughs) One less thing I don't have to think about. It's just so important. Yeah. And And there's lots of, there's lots of moving pieces to a business. Right. And, um, there's all these little things that we have to keep track of, you know, like quarterly taxes, um, maybe sales tax, payroll tax. Like there's all these things that we have to stay in compliance with. And so that's why we need systems and processes and structure. Yes. And I'm lucky because I'm in Washington state and we have no state tax. Mm -hmm. Like imagine and take to the next level people in like almost every other state in the, in the lower 48, they all have, I mean, there's like, I think there's only, I don't know for a fact, so don't quote me, but I think there's only like two or three of us that don't have state tax. Yeah. And so you have that extra layer on there where it's there, it's complex, you know, and it's not like, unless you're a bookkeeper yourself, you didn't go into business to do this. So it's, it's really important. Um, so I want to get to um, the next part, which is really mindset. And one of the things that drew me to you as a guest was you talk about the blame in finances, the financial blame, and um, and how the mindset can either really propel you or can really, really um, draw you down. Um, and you were talking about how people are obsessed with sales. Let's chat about that. Yeah, so I call it the salesman or salesman's approach to business, right? So when you think about salesmen, they're really, really hyper-focused on the sale, right? Like the revenue number, because of course they get paid commission based on that, that, um, that number, right? Now, when we're in business, um, we don't have a business unless we have sales. So that's a really important piece to remember this movement out there of um, six-figure business, seven-figure business, and and that's the top-line number. And I have seen so many people who are so focused on that top-line number that they don't consider all the rest of the numbers. And the most important number is the profit. 
it does not matter how much your revenue is. It's your profit that matters because that's what you get paid, right? Like that's what, that's what's left for you. And so I tend to tell people like it's revenue minus profit equals what you can spend in expenses. And you can reverse engineer that to figure out how much revenue you need, right? But when you're so focused on the revenue and you don't consider everything else, uh, what can happen is is that you don't have any um, money to pay yourself, right? And yeah. that that's a really dangerous place to be in because then you start to build resentment towards your business, this thing, this thing that you loved so much and that you felt so passionate about doing and that was the be-all, end-all for your life, right? And now you resent it because you don't get paid because you're so focused on generating revenue, right? Now, revenue is important. So like, I'm not saying that you shouldn't think about revenue, but more importantly, it's the profit. And we see a lot, like we work with a lot of coaches and consultants and, um, and we often see that before they've had really great record keeping, they don't understand their pricing and the profitability of their pricing of their programs and services. And so often their, their pricing is actually not profitable because of other things that they have operating within their business, like client fulfillment contractors or um, like a big one for coaches is affiliate fees, right? Like you see these, oh, I did a six-figure launch. Well, more often than not, 50% of that goes to affiliate fees right off the top. So now it's not a six-figure launch. It's a three-figure launch, right? And then you've yeah, got fulfillment absolutely. costs on the back end. <laughs>